women, passion, success. Welcome to the all-new Francisca Show podcast on the Jewish Coffeehouse Network. Who am I? I'm Francisca, singer, composer, music producer, and now success coach for podcasters. I took a podcast, grew an audience, and monetized it. With over 60 original songs, 20 music videos, and over 100 podcast episodes, I present to you K Productions LLC, a white glove podcast production agency that helps entrepreneurs just like you create great content, attract their ideal clients, and make more money by using the power of podcasts. On this show, you'll be hearing from successful female entrepreneurs about their journey. Go ahead and subscribe, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy this episode. Guess what, friend? I did not have my mic. I got stuck and ended up recording this episode outside of my studio. So hang in there and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Francisca Show. Today with us, we have Brandy Bernowski, CEO of Alchemy and AIM, a website developer. And I'm so excited to have someone so brilliant in so many ways, the technology aspect. And we're going to talk about the creative whole compartment of your life. And so welcome to the show, Brandy. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. When I came across you online and it hit home for me because this whole podcast right now, we're in relaunch mode. This is the new, the all new Francisca show. We have transitioned from interviewing artists and creatives into successful entrepreneurs. So, and that's really a reflection of my journey going from singer, composer, music producer to entrepreneur. And I, I am creating podcast services for entrepreneurs. So I'm so excited to be speaking to a fellow artist and technology slash entrepreneur success story because there are so many aspects of your life I would like to unpack. And I'd love to just go deep into your story, your journey, what the flow of it was like. We'll talk about the challenges and the beauty that comes from living a life like that. So I'll give you the floor. I would love in just a couple of sentences for you to tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and what was your childhood like? So I grew up in New Jersey, about an hour outside of New York City. So like, I would say like Central Jersey, which only exists if you live in Central Jersey, close to like where the Jersey Shore is, um, but it's not the Jersey Shore quite. Um, so grew up here and honestly, um, you know, a lot of my my childhood was filled with kind of just creative endeavors in school, I'd have to say. Like I loved being a good student and I loved I loved finding interesting ways to learn. Um, that would kind of just came naturally to me. Um, and when I was in, I think it was fourth grade, my mom actually put me in my first like theater slash singing class. Um, and I absolutely got hooked. I did a bunch of like theater productions and shows, um, sang in two operas in high school, a bunch of musicals, and ended up um, graduating and going to NYU with the plan to major in, in theater and major in acting, um, and be an actor. So I have a BFA in, in theater from NYU. I've got minors in physics and math there and, um, had a phenomenal experience while I was there, but eventually decided that I did not 
want to pursue acting and wanted to do something different. Um, got a second degree, a second bachelor's, particularly from Rutgers University in New Jersey, majored in physics, philosophy, and religion there um, before going on to do a little PhD work. And it was really, it was that like last little bit of time at Rutgers and during my time at um, UC San Diego, where I started to blog. And so I just blogged because I liked writing, because I liked connecting with people. Like I always had that creative streak in me that I had to fulfill in some way. And writing became that thing. I would have never guessed when I started blogging that I would become a developer, but it was, you know, I had just enough of the right background with my physics. And like, I did um, a little bit of HTML at the school of visual arts when I graduated from NYU as well. So I had like, like little bits of knowledge that I kind of just parlayed into working on my own site. Friends took notice. Um, They asked me to start helping them with their sites and Eventually, I was able to quit the job I was at and just start becoming a freelance developer. Again, had no plans whatsoever to grow a business, but it kind of unexpectedly found me. And I started hiring um, I started hiring other developers, a project manager, and you know, soon enough, couple, you know, years later, I now have a whole team and like, I don't develop anymore because my job is now being the strategist and the business owner. So it's been a kind of a very winding path that's led me to where I am, but I I've really loved it. It's, um, it's made me who I am and it makes, it's what makes me unique in my field. I love how you said unique. It's so true because you have your creative side, the theater, the opera, then the yeah. whole physics, blogging, and then website developing. And now you're wearing the entrepreneur hat where you're all into strategy and marketing and sales and relationships, <laughs> keeping clients exactly. happy. So let's talk about, first of all, what was it like socially for you to have so many, in a way, traditionally, they're contradicting talents that might have you floating around in different social circles, maybe an identity crisis. Am I, am I a blogger? Am I I, a tech? I will say that is, that's definitely been the case. And I've learned to simply embrace it. It's not something that goes away. It's something that, that you simply have to own that there's never going to be a single word that defines you. And that you are going to take on different roles and wear different hats at different times. And I I always kind of, I like to think back to my time at NYU when I was an actor, because one of the things we learned as part of our training is that really the whole of human experience is inside of you. And there's certain pieces that get expressed in your life because of your environment, your relations, things like that. So I like to think that's still the case. You know, sometimes I'm a marketer. Sometimes I'm a leader. Um, sometimes I'm still a developer and I'm a strategist and I don't, I don't have to release any pieces of me. There are still, there are still huge parts of me that are, that's the actor and the singer and the, the physicists and scientists, like they shape the way I, I think, and I interact with the world. So I, I think for those of us who are very creative and there's a lot of aspects to what we do and we are compelled to follow our curiosity. I think we just have to kind of come to terms with the fact that like, there will be no 
set phrase of like collection of words that will perfectly define us because we will always be discovering new parts of ourselves. And I think that's our, like, that's part of why we're here in this world doing the work we do is to kind of like express the fullness of who we are. And that's never going to happen in a single role or a single career or, you know, even a single project or instance, like it's going to happen in all of the things that we do. I agree 100%. Actually reminds me of something I've heard you say on a podcast before, how your motto is excellence, but not perfection. Yes. Yes. And that so applies to women, entrepreneurs, artists, everyone, because we get so stuck on the perfection element that we forget that excellence is sometimes good enough, right? Can you speak to that a little? It's funny because I have a very particular view on this. And I I really wanted, I, I did a whole training with my team because one of our core values is excellence. And for me, excellence is not about like getting just close to perfection and then shying back. It's about not associating your identity or your self-worth with what you consider perfection. It's like climbing a tree. It's not about you get to the branch and you're done and that's and it, that's perfect. That's exactly what it, you wanted to do. It's about seeing beyond the branch and recognizing that at times it means shifting. It means pivoting. It means changing your plans. It means redefining. Um, it doesn't mean holding on to um, something so concretely because you believe that it's it's defining or or makes you more valuable or anything like that. It's about just kind of seeing the bigger picture and beyond. And I feel like if we're always kind of like looking past perfection, we start to discover more about the world and more about ourselves and more about how we can help people too. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it somehow takes the pressure off, but still allows you to strive even further than you thought you could. Like it it lets you get beyond perfection because you're not associating with that in any particular way. You're just kind of like, you stay curious and you stay open and you stay um, focused on what's beyond while at the same time, still seeing the details around you. And that's, that I feel like has been one of the things that's been very defining because I, I am a recovering perfectionist. Um, It is just like evident in like, I think back to like all of my time in school in the past and like how I had to get the A, but what was the times I had the most fun were the times that I brought in my creativity. And I sometimes went above and beyond what was required because it was fun and because it allowed me to express my creativity in a particular way. And yeah, at some point, you know, they can't give you more than an A, but like, you know, like, you know, that you got like the eight, you know, triple plus or something like that, just because you, you had fun doing it and you were able to, to do something no one else did. So that's kind of how I like to look at, at excellence and perfectionism. It's just about that association and that attachment to, to perfectionism. And, And when you let that go, so much more opens up for you. Yeah. I would say perfectionism is probably a limiting box. Yes. And then it's a great starting point to have, you know, when you're going from zero to have something to strive forward. But once you're in the mode to remove that box, to allow excellence beyond perfectionism, really. So I love that. Thank you. Just one more question about, you know, the deep stuff, and then we'll move on to some more practical questions. Talk to me about some of the challenges you've had 
because on the outside, it looks so smooth sailing and everything looks so successful. And I hear you on podcasts and you have so many incredible things to share. And I know you dropped out of a PhD program. Feel free to mention that. I'll say the challenges have been numerous and I'm in a challenging period right now. In fact, like they come at you unexpectedly. Sometimes at night I have to sit there, you know, like as I'm beginning to fall asleep and just remind myself that like every challenge that I encounter is just there to shape me in the ways that I need to be shaped for what comes next. Like every challenge makes me stronger, makes me smarter, makes me wiser and kinder and more compassionate and empathetic. Can you share a specific challenge? Yes. Yeah. So certainly like making the decision to drop out of the PhD program was a huge one because for a long time I'd been striving and, and the plan was to become a college professor. But as soon as I was in the program and I started to actually get a real sense for what being a college professor was, and particularly being a philosophy professor was, um, and what was expected of me expected me of me within the department and within the kind of industry say, but what I expected of myself in the world and who I wanted to be, like it it wasn't syncing up. Right. Um, and when you have to like drop away a, a significant portion of who you thought you were becoming, because you are actually becoming something even more than what you expected. Um, there's, there's a lot around that. And that was a very, it was, it was very difficult to leave the program to then go looking for a job. Did not, I was like, I don't even know what I'm qualified to do with like a two year partial, you know, studies of, of philosophy as a PhD per like, I, I felt so just kind of out of place everywhere I went. Um, and so really crafting, like just crafting that that was going to be okay for myself and just being like, yeah, just you'll find the places you belong, obviously along the way. Um, and they won't always necessarily be the places that you expect that you would belong. Like, I never think I belong in a room full of developers. Like it's so funny. It's just, I, my background just makes me think a little bit differently than most developers do. And I tend to belong more in rooms of designers because I think actually more like a designer does than a developer, but I have the tech knowledge. So it, that was really, that was a big challenge, letting that fall away, even starting the business, quitting my job, starting the business. I mean, that's a challenge that a lot of people who are shifting from what they were doing to entrepreneur go through. Um, typically, you know, I experienced a lot with my family and friends thinking I was absolutely crazy. Like, what am I doing leaving a job? I was working with a nonprofit. So what am I doing leaving a job that has benefits and like pays me well? Like, um, I quickly proved them wrong within about a year, which was great. And then really, even within the business, learning how to hire people and how to hire the right people and how to lead those people and manage them. Um, I have certainly had some past team members like either directly or indirectly steal from me. That's been hard, um, especially when they are people that you've built rapport and trust with. And then you find out that they haven't been forthcoming about what's going on. They stole clients. They stole money. I had one team member who indirectly stole about $20,000 from me. It was kind of made out to be like, oh, I had a misunderstanding. I thought full-time meant 30 hours a week. And I was like, well, full-time doesn't mean 30 hours a week. And it also doesn't mean like you get to just, you know, draw out projects and hand them in late. And so there was, there was a lot of kind of like heartache, heartache about miscommunication and about 
the the way the relationship was damaged um and eventually like it was best that we parted ways because there was just not enough done to repair the relationship um so that's happened um i've certainly gotten in like when you get to be an entrepreneur and you start running a team, there's a lot that you run into financially. And I will tell you, like, I'm still working on some of those things of like how money for projects comes in and making sure that it gets out to the right contractor at the right time or the right team member. Like where, where does the flow go? How do you create a, um, a budget that you know is going to work? And then how do you build that into certain things? It's, it, it, it just comes back to me at different times. I've had months in my business where I've been wildly successful and months where we've actually lost money. Um, and part you know, like there are reasons that that happens. And when you're, you, you need to spend time in your business to actually understand why that's happening and where it's coming from to be able to prevent it or to be able to know that it's inevitably going to happen at certain points and not to be afraid of it. So, um, yeah, I feel like I've like, I've, I've really run the range of things of like, you know, clients who we've gone through a project with and then have become like verbally and almost mentally abusive and that you've had to like break up with unexpectedly and like just refund them the money because you you'd rather just like sever the it all energetically yeah like you're like take your money back keep the site we're going to just call it quits and wash our hands because we know this is the best path forward so yeah, i think you just have to experience a little bit of everything when you're an entrepreneur unfortunately but it is what what makes it's what builds the resilience and what, I mean, like I almost at this point, any situation I'm up against, I know I'm going to get through. I don't necessarily always know how I'm going to get through it, but I have that certainty that there is a path through. I connect with it very much. I'm also curious about the religion aspect. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. I was raised Roman Catholic. I am not practicing in any religion. I think there are many beautiful things about many different religions. And there's many things I, I identify with, um, when it comes to certain practices in Buddhism and Christianity. And, um, I mean, I feel like certainly you, you start to look at all the faiths and they all have something that's really elegant to them, um, or interesting to them. Um, I mean, certainly when I was in, when I was studying religion, we studied I think quite literally almost every single religion. Like I had a native American class. I had a Judaism, Christianity, uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam class, um, Islamic philosophy, uh, Christian philosophy. I mean, it was really like never ending. And I will say it, it certainly, it shaped my, it shaped my, pers- my understanding of people in the world. I will have to say like, that's very true. How so? I think when you study religion, you start to study people's perspectives and you start to see that a little differently. I, I got that certainly in my, my days in theater, but it was just kind of a different layer of like, cause really religion is about community. So it really helped me start to understand like communities of people and how they interact and, and, um, just involve with each other or with other people. So I, I just loved it. I'm still like immensely fascinated by spirituality and um and faith and and religion overall like it's just one of my favorite things to to learn about and read about and um dig into differently like that's just I don't know I think I think I will always be curious 
in that way, personally, like I'm, I'm much more spiritual. I have, I've got my own practices that have kind of evolved, um, from either things I've studied or experienced or, um, you know, ways I've been in this world. I have a lot of respect for different religions, obviously. Um, but I feel like it's, you know, you get to know people in a different way when you study the belief systems that they were raised with. And I think that's just a, it's a powerful and great thing to do. Um, just to shift your perspective from what you were raised with and just see, you know, a different sort of framework for seeing the world. Absolutely. I love this dimension to you because my theme right now that's happening around me is the most important thing for building a business is really investing and building relationships. Yes. And part of that understanding and connection is having a perspective or understanding of where they're coming from. And religion plays a big role in how people behave and, and interact and what their values are. Yeah. And sometimes not even directly, but like how, like if you're raised in a religion, it does influence the way that you perceive the world later in life. So it's just, it's one of those things that I think helps that allows you to have a deeper relationship with someone um, because you understand something about them that sometimes they can't even articulate for themselves. Well, I'm Jewish Orthodox, if you haven't noticed yet. Yes. I don't know if you talked about that. So yeah. Well, thanks for going into this. Yeah. Now let's talk about what you think about podcasts needing a website in terms of your expertise. What have you seen? Is it a must have? What are your opinions? So I will tell you what I usually tell my clients who tell me they want to start a podcast, which is usually start recording podcast episodes and put it on iTunes. If you continue past like 10 episodes, I will then build you a podcast page on your website or a podcast website. I think like anything, there's lots of shiny objects out there that attract our attention and make us think there are things we should do. Um, I think it's important to make sure that it's something that you enjoy before you commit to actually building something for it. Like, I'm just a big believer in that, like experiment a little bit, and then you can invest in it. Once you know that it's something that really resonates with you or resonates with your audience and that you enjoy doing it, it's not like, you know, pulling teeth or anything. It's not a painful experience every time you record a podcast episode. Um, I do think it's really helpful for people to have that home for your podcast on the web that is not iTunes or Stitcher. I mean, like I love all like Spotify, love all these places, but it is really, really nice um, to, to give your podcast content a home that makes it easy for people to engage with the content in ways that are more searchable than you really, than you can do on any of the platforms. Like, you know, if someone has 300 episodes of a podcast on iTunes, like, are you just going to read through all the descriptions to figure out what you want? And especially if it's something very relevant to, you know, what you want to learn, like, let's say it's a podcast on being an entrepreneur like yours, like you may have a conversation about money and one about websites and one about um, marketing. It becomes wonderful when you've got that website for all of your content that makes it easy for people to start like searching your content and filtering your content and checking out like, oh, what's what's been done on this podcast about money? I'm going to listen to all the money episodes together. I'm going to listen to the marketing episodes together because that's what my need is right now. I think it really 
allows listeners to engage with material in a different way beyond simply um, what's the most recent podcast episode that shows up, you know? So I do think, I think, especially as you build more and more episodes over time, I think it becomes more important to have that online home for it where people can really engage with it in a whole new way that they can't on the other platforms that are out there. Yes. And I agree with you with the whole do at least 10 or 20 episodes before you invest in it. I would definitely say that to a client as well. Let's talk Wix versus WordPress. So I'm a big Wix person because I like to be able to do things myself and change it myself. I've also taught myself how to use it probably 10 years ago. So I'm so set in my ways and learning how to code wasn't up up high on my list. Yeah. And I know a lot of people look down on it and you probably as well, just like I look down on Anchor, which is a free hosting platform for podcasts. Having a site is better than not having a site. That's like, that's step one. Like, so that's perfect. I think that's key. (laughs) Um, I'm a WordPress person and I I really do love WordPress because just the the amount of customization that we can create for our clients is phenomenal. Like there are things that we build that don't exist out there, but that solve actual business problems for them, which I love. Can you give an example? Um, I mean, we have built like we've built very custom search features for on a podcast for one of my clients that just allows she actually has two podcasts. And the search functionality we've built for her allows um, allows you to search either podcasts for content and the right pieces of content actually return to you. So it's just like, it's little things like that that can go a long way um, and, and that do go a long way, you know, on, on certain scenarios. I mean, I, I will tell you, there are very often times when I tell clients like, yes, go build a Squarespace site, go build a Wix site. Like sometimes it's not in their best interest or in their business's best interest to invest in a custom site or even a WordPress site in general. Cause there, there's just a level of, um, I mean, I think this is true with most sites, like as an entrepreneur, your responsibility really is not to figure out how to code. It's to do the thing that you're meant to do in the world, not code along the way. But if there's a platform you're comfortable with and that, you know, you find easy to use, get started with that platform. There's nothing wrong with that. Do a minimal investment, put something together quickly. Like, that's often a good first like little use of your time just to get it up and out there so that you're again back to focusing on what you should be focusing on. Um over time like yeah like there's there's advantages and disadvantages to any platform out there. Like I mean I know one of the disadvantages like I found with Wix recently is um you have to you really have to contact their support if you want any help whatsoever with your site speed. There's a ton of stuff I can do on WordPress to really like dial in the site speed. Wix, you've got to reach out to support. And I don't even know to what level their support can fully help. So, you know, over time, like sometimes it makes sense to start with a platform, move to a different platform, but I'm not opposed to to people starting anywhere as long as you start. I think that's like, that's that's almost more important, you know, with our, the creative impulses we have start. Like, you know, like same thing, like record the podcast, record 10 episodes of the podcast. Then you can build a quick site for yourself if you don't have the investment to have someone help you at the time. But hopefully over time, you're thinking, how can I grow this? How can I, 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 I hate to use the word monetize, but how can you create a balance and flow in the effort you're putting out and what's coming back to you to sustain it and to help grow it and help reach more people? 
And then maybe it makes sense to actually then do a WordPress site or something, you know, a little bit more um, customized on another platform. It's, I, I, I just, I just think there's no perfectly right answer at any point, except to actually get started. I identify with that. So for anyone listening who is in this space, ready to transition either from no website or from the self-starter type websites, what does the investment look like? And I know the work you do, a lot of it's figuring out the business or your client's needs to create the tools. And sometimes it's inventing them. And I get that. And I love that. Yeah. Wix doesn't provide that kind of service. What do the packages look like or what kind of investment? does an entrepreneur have to prepare for? So we do very custom WordPress sites within Alchemy and Dame. Um, on my other sister company side, North Star Sites, we do packages. And the packages there tend to be somewhere between $2,500 yeah, and $5,000, depending upon what a, site, a client needs. So, you know, I that's why I spend time on the phone with people because I like to analyze, like, what do you really need? Also, what you need now versus what you need later because you don't have to build everything you need for the entirety of your future in like the first go, you can phase it out. You can build something now to get you started and then add on pieces over time as you need them. So I usually say like, you know, if, if it's simply a podcast, I would recommend someone look at an investment between like for a website between $2,500 and $3,500 as a, like, as kind of like your first site that, that you have someone helping you and guiding you through. Is that going to get you a custom site? No. Is it going to get you an intentional site that's, you know, thought out and has some strategy behind it? Yes. And that's a really good next step to where you need to be going. And I know you work with designers and copywriters to bring the whole experience and package together. What does that experience look like? Because a client might not know the copy they need or where they are at. So the phases are different. And how do you combine all of that? Yeah, exactly. So sometimes it's really, I I ask a lot of questions when I meet with clients because sometimes they have branding that they absolutely love. And then it's just a matter of getting the website together and copy maybe. Sometimes they have, they're they're a writer themselves. So they really want to write that copy, but they have no idea what to do with their brand and logo or website. So I think it starts just by first establishing what is it that they need. And then part of my responsibility is to figure out what the flow should be. So obviously I like to start at the branding phase because I think that there are conversations that happen in the branding phase that do inform copy. So sometimes you can do branding around the same time that you do copy. I like to start the branding first um, just because so often there's like really nicely fundamental questions that are asked during the branding process that come up in the copy process. So it kind of like almost preps you for the copy work that you're doing. It gets you to start thinking in that particular direction with everything. And design. Yes. The, the design, like design can follow from there. But I, I think like branding copy, I think it's important to have the copy before you start design to make sure that you're actually getting what you need in your site um, and not just like it, not like it's, it's almost like you don't want to build the house and figure out the family that goes in the house thereafter. You want to know who your family is and then, you know, know what home you need for your family. So, um, yeah, I mean, we just really like layer in what the process needs to be based upon the client. I mean, but it's almost like always branding, copy, design, website builds, and then follow up from there. Beautiful. 
Okay, so we'll wrap up with our short questions. What superpower would you desire if you can have anything? Oh, I have always had, I wish I could be Jean Grey and have like telepathic powers to be able to move objects. I always thought that would be like the coolest thing. Like, yeah, I I don't know why. I'm like, I'm not even sure what objects I would be moving on a regular basis, but I, yeah. So I I, I would totally want to steal her powers if I could steal anyone's. Okay. And one deep question. What is your higher purpose in life? It's really to guide people on their path. That's, you know, for me, I've done a lot of work around this and like really to help people walk their path and walk it with confidence and just discover what they need to discover about themselves along the way. There's oddly so much of the work that I do, even in website building is really helping people understand that they can truly be who they are in their business. And that's what their business is calling them to do. It's not calling them to replicate someone else's process or way of doing things. Love it. And what social are you most active on? Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will say I'm not high, like best thing. If you need to get in touch with me is actually to email me. That's like my, if I, I wish it were social, but it's not. Um, otherwise I'm on Instagram at Brandy Bernowski. Perfect. And we'll post everything in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Brandy, for coming on to the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun conversation and I've loved these questions. Thank you. Friend, thank you so much for listening until the end. And if you enjoyed, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get a notification the next time an episode is out. Have you been thinking of launching a podcast? Great. Let me help you launch and produce your show and take the headache away. Just click on the link in the show notes. And make sure to tune in next time. See ya!